Hello and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. It's the second episode of the second season of Dear Franny. It's 2020 and I'm so excited to bring my first interview of 2020 to you, dear listener. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you. For those of you who have rated and reviewed this podcast and you shared it with your friends and you reached out to me to tell me that you love it. I am so grateful. Thank you so very much. And for those of you who've been listening and maybe you just started listening, if you are enjoying this podcast, I would so appreciate it if you were to subscribe to whichever platform you're listening to. And, um, you know, I love a five-star review. I'm not going to lie. And um, <laughs> I'd be most grateful. So that's a little bit of housekeeping. But back to my interview today. So my guest is someone who I consider a friend and she is also a colleague. Her name is Michelle Jacoby and she is the CEO of DC Matchmaking as in Washington, DC. And Michelle is an amazing matchmaker. She is one of the first people that I met when I came into the love industry and I've known her for about six years. And she was one of the people who inspired me to say, wow, they're really smart, amazing people who are just so driven by desire to see people have love and connection in this world. And um, meeting Michelle was very inspiring to me because I was like, I want to do that. How can I do a version of that? So I'm very excited to bring you my conversation with Michelle. She drops so many nuggets. She's been doing this for a long time. She knows what she's talking about. And if you are single, you definitely want to listen to this. But even if you aren't single, you know, what Michelle talks about is it's so beyond, you know, dating or, you know, what it takes to meet someone. It's really about just having more love in your life in general, which is something that I think we can all agree the world needs more of. So without further ado, please enjoy my interview with my friend, Michelle Jacoby. Michelle Jacoby, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Welcome to Dear Franny. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> How is everything? How's DC? Ah, oh, DC is wonderful. You know, I've been here my whole life. I love DC. Sometimes it gets a bad rap, but I think it's a pretty cool place and a great place to be single and dating. Ooh, oh, tell tell me more about that. Why is it a great place to be single and dating? You know, it's so funny because sometimes people in DC are like, I need to move to New York or I need to move to LA. I think there's always someone who thinks the grass is greener elsewhere. But what I like about DC is that there are so many like really smart, passionate, educated, like healthy, just cool people doing really cool things here. So there's a vibrant community of all kinds of diverse people. I just love it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny you say that. I People always say to me things like, oh, well, you know, I live in D.C. or San Francisco or New York or Chicago. And so it's, it's you know, the dating scene is terrible here. And I'm like, wherever you are and when you're single and you don't want to be single, it feels it feels really challenging. That's so true. I, I had a woman tell me she was going to move to New Zealand because there was no one in America. What? Oh. <laughs> I swear, I kid you not. I like swear to God. Such a small population of people <laughs> in New Zealand. She thinks there's no one here. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't know what she was thinking, but there was a little something she needed to look in a mirror and, and think about. Oh, my goodness. There's probably more people in Rhode Island. There's probably more people in D.C. than there are in the entire country of New Zealand. I mean, no, I mean, it's not an insult to New Zealand, beautiful place, but small population. Yeah. I'm sure every place has its challenge, right? I just think, you, you, yeah. you know, you work with what you have and do the best that you can. 
Yeah, I think that it's, I always say, it's more important what you do than where you are. So true. Um, But um, DC has gotten some bad press in the dating arena in the past few years since Trump has been in office. And- uh, Are we gonna go there? I well, I didn't. I wasn't planning on going there. I don't even normally say his name, to be honest. But um, <laughs> oh, let's, not, let's not put any well, energy into that. Very quickly, yeah. though, do you see any truth to the fact that there are single Republicans in D.C. or who are now saying that they're not Republicans? On oh, that's an interesting know. question. You know what? First of all, in D.C. is a very liberal town, and I'm not a hundred percent sure of my statistics, but my understanding is that about 96% of people in the district did not vote for the current administration. So, you know, it used to be like smoking was the biggest deal breaker. And now it's really a Trump supporter is the biggest deal breaker. And it's very hard for someone who's not just a Republican, but someone who's, you know, a very enthusiastic Trump supporter to even get a date in this town. It's really interesting. Um, What I've seen is when I ask people about their politics, I've seen quite a few people who have left the Republican Party to either become libertarian or independent. Interestingly enough, not Democrat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. This is a very political town. I try to tell people not to talk politics on dates, but you do need to know, you know, I never had an intake form that included anything about politics until the last election cycle. And then I had to add all these questions to my intake form on my website because people want to know it's important. Yeah, it is. I agree. I used to not want people to focus on politics. I wanted them to focus on values. and But now politics is about values. You know? But now politics is about values. Yeah. So yeah, it's really hard. It's interesting. I wonder if any of the Trump supporters who are having a hard time dating, if that at all gives them pause to think like, hmm, if there are all these people who won't date me because I support this this administration or this person, wonder if maybe there's something I'm not seeing. I'd just be curious about that. I don't know. I think if they went to a different city with a different demographic, it might be flipped, you know, so who knows? Okay, well, enough about that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I could go on a tangent. (laughs) I could go on a very, very, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Let's talk about other things. Okay, moving on. (laughs) So matchmaking. Um, So you, of course, are a matchmaker extraordinaire. And I guess my first question for you about matchmaking is, what is your matchmaking philosophy? Well, first of all, thanks for the compliment. That was very kind of you. It's interesting because that's a really big question. Like, what's my philosophy? I mean, my philosophy is do the best that I possibly can to make my clients happy and get them into a really healthy relationship that lasts. But my philosophy, you know, I was talking to some people about this this weekend. I have a personal philosophy that every single person has what I call a gooey center, meaning that when you look for what's good instead of what's bad, you really can find gold. Like you can strike, you know, strike it rich with like awesomeness in other people. But I think we're programmed, perhaps even biologically, genetically programmed to see what's wrong. And that's a big part of what people are doing when they're dating. So I try to get my clients to really look for what's right. I listen to what they want. I try to help them go in a direction that makes sense. And, uh, you know, another thing about matchmaking that I love is it's a people business. So wherever I go and whatever I do, I'm always talking with people. I'm looking for that gooey center. I'm looking for what's really awesome. And, you know, connecting and asking people to put their information in my database so I can potentially match them. So I don't know if I have one philosophy, but, you know, it's like, 
really, really do a good job for my clients and always look for that gooey center because I believe it's there and teach others to look for it also. I love that. That's a fantastic philosophy. Gooey center. I'm totally going to, I will credit you. I'm totally going to borrow that. Oh, go for it. It's not just when dating, right? It's in every aspect of life. Totally. Yeah. It's almost, it's, I would say other than like a psychopath somewhere, it's almost always there. It's just people have a lot of guard up. Totally. You know, they're self-protective or whatever. And if you can make other people feel so comfortable, so good and so liked, and they let their guard down, then you can get to the gooey center and really have fun with people and how beautiful they are. It's so true. It's a reason why, are you familiar with Humans of New York, the blog? That sounds familiar, but I have to be honest that I'm not. So tell me about it. Okay. So Humans of New York, it's, uh, it started as a blog and there's a giant Facebook page and there's a giant Instagram following. It's this photographer in New York who just started photographing people on the street and he does these portraits, but what's really fascinating about it is that he interviews them and he doesn't show you any of his questions. So he edits the interview together so that it's basically just like a personal statement about just, you know, this person telling their life story. Is it a blog or is it a social media thing or what is it? It's It started as a blog, but you can follow Humans of New York on, you know, Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. Yeah, you know, I'm on my phone right now looking it up. <laughs> okay, look it up, look it up. But what I love about it. And it's like, and he literally, I mean, he photographs all every kind of person you can imagine, every walk of life, every ethnicity, every age. People are so awesome. Man. It's like, I mean, it's, it's amazing. And when you read it, I, I remember, oh, my God, he has 9.7 million followers as of this. Moment. Yeah, he's huge. All right, I just <laughs> yeah. followed. Now, this is so cool. Thank you. Oh, good, good. No, it's yeah, it's me. There's also um, a humans of New York coffee table book. Yeah, anyway, but th- what I love about it is the way that he, because he's just presenting people and just all in their own words and they're telling their stories, I would love to know the questions he asks people because he gets them to open up. I mean, talk about a gooey center. People share, I mean, some of the stories are heartbreaking. Wow. Some of them are, you know, inspiring. Some are hilarious. Some Like every emotion you can imagine, <laughs> he manages to capture in these um, portraits. And it's, and I love it because I'm like, someone should build a dating site that's this, that's basically well it's celebrating um, people, humanness and authenticity it's yeah and you know and i definitely want to hear your thoughts on this but i think that when it comes to dating people just the choices they make about how to present themselves tend to be so contrary to actually making a real connection with another person and so I think if somebody like if he were to say like, okay, I'm going to turn this into a dating site, because you kind of just think everyone, no matter who they are, when you read, um, when you read his captions, he reads their, you know, their interview, their statement, whatever, you are like, I love this person. Like you love everyone when you hear something really intimate and personal about them. Yeah, you know what, though, is so interesting, I find that as soon as people change from their regular perception to a dating mode, they look for what's wrong. It's incredible. I can tell you a story about that, but I've coined this term dating goggles. And I love telling the story that I was on a corner in my neighborhood one Sunday morning across from my bank. And there was this guy with this little kid on his shoulders and they were like playing. And he was, believe me, this will all tie in in a second, but they were playing and the little kid was kissing (laughs) the daddy on the head. And I looked at that guy and I was thinking, what a freaking awesome guy. Like his wife's probably either sleeping in or at yoga and he's doing the daddy kid thing. And he's adorable. What an, every woman should have a man like this, right? And then I all of a sudden had this mind mm-hmm. shift. And I was like, if I was single and he was walking into a restaurant, and he was my blind date, what would I think of him? 
And I immediately went, ah, you know, he's kind of nerdy. Mm. He's not well-dressed. He's a little short, a little skinny, not that good-looking, not really my type. I probably wouldn't be interested. Wow. Yeah, and so I coined, you know, beer goggles, like when you put them on, everybody looks better. Yeah. I think when we put on dating goggles, Mm -hmm. everybody looks worse all of a sudden. We're so judgy. So true. And I don't know if this is like biological because maybe to find the right mate you had to eliminate. But it is something that we do, especially women. And what I try to do with my matchmaking and coaching clients is help them to take off the goggles and just really see what's beautiful and see what's there and connect in a way. And this guy in Humans of New York is probably very good at making people feel comfortable and seen and heard and like, yeah, they just Mm -hmm, want to get, they mm -hmm. give to him because they don't feel judged, you know, but I'm sad about that with dating. You know, you're so right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Dating goggles. That is a real thing. And it's, it's so true. Cause I know like sometimes, you know, when I was still living in New York, I would challenge myself to just when I was on the subway, just look at every single person in the subway and find something beautiful about them. Mm, That's so nice. Everyone from like, you know, if there was like a panhandler asking for money to like a little kid, everyone. And when you do that, you can find something about everyone. Well, you're looking at their humanity without judgment and you're looking for what's beautiful. Everybody's got it. Yeah, like really, I mean, sometimes it's like, okay, beautiful eyebrows. I mean, like sometimes. (laughs) Yeah, you got to be creative sometimes. (laughs) Really make an effort. But the point is that I totally agree because if I then were to put myself in the, you know, single dating mindset and like, okay, look, find something beautiful about everyone on the subway car, be like, oh God, no, not him. You know, it would have been a totally different thing. So yeah, but you know what? Your practice on the subway though is something that can become a habit, right? When you literally force yourself over and over again to look for what's right and to really mm-hmm. see that like beautiful gooey center in people, it starts to become a habit and then it starts to just become who you are. And I would encourage everyone who's listening, take some time to be conscious about how you're perceiving others and really look for what's really beautiful and stop focusing so much on what's wrong. Even in your closest relationships, it'll make them much better relationships. Agreed. Agreed. So let me ask you something. Do you think that the primary challenge of that I guess the primary challenge of dating in you know 2020, do you think that it's a matter of how people are perceiving others or how they're perceiving themselves? Oh God, what are, that's such an interesting question. Um, it's a hard question. <laughs> of course, it's a little of both, right? But I, yeah, I sort of feel like one of you said the primary issue with modern dating right now. I think it's mm-hmm. you know one of the most beautiful things about dating right now is that we have incredible access to strangers, (laughs) to people, to all kinds of people because of online dating and apps, which is a beautiful thing, but it's also misused. And I think we are devaluing others by thinking that we have so much choice that we need to be wowed and that we don't just look for what's interesting and good about someone is like, if we don't you know, see fireworks and feel butterflies, we feel like we just gonna go to the next person in our inbox. I think it's a combination look of really understanding when we look inward, we have to understand the difference between what our preferences are and what we really need and must have. A lot of people Mm -hmm. focus on qualities that don't really enhance their happiness. Like I need to be with a man who's tall or I need to be with someone who's wealthy or I need to be with someone who is an extrovert. Like really, that is a preference. I hear those very things every single day. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Or someone who lives in the city as opposed to in New Jersey. Right. I'm sure you've heard that. Right. So. Yeah, oh, Those totally. are preferences, but I also think when we're examining 
you know, what we need. It's like, you know, what is going to actually, I never heard anybody say my husband's wonderful because he's six feet tall. You know, he's a wonderful husband because of all the other qualities. And that's what we should be looking for. So to answer your question, I think it's, we need to be introspective. And we need to think about what do we really want and need? And are we getting in our own way by looking for qualities that don't even have anything to do with what kind of partner he or she is going to end up being, but then also really valuing other people and making the interactions human. So instead of, you know, um, just deleting a million emails, maybe hide your profile and talk to a few people at a time. And even if you're not interested in someone, send them a little note and say, you know, thanks for reaching out. I don't think we're a fit, but I wish you the best. Like be human. And the way we treat others will impact the way we feel about dating. It'll impact what the universe sends us. And it'll also impact just, you know, our success overall, because we're slowing it down. There's actually a study, this illusion of choice. I think there's a study that was conducted about catch-up. Do you remember the catch-up study? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the moral of the story is when we have too many choices, we don't choose anything. And we just get stuck, you know, with not getting what we want. So I think that if there's a way to slow down and and treat each person in a really human way, maybe pick up the phone and call someone instead of just texting, you know, making the people you're with feel like they're the only person, as opposed to talking about all the dates you've been on and all the people and in your inbox and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. I I wish people would just slow down and really look at the person in front of them with curiosity and wonder and like enthusiasm instead of just kind of going through the motions so they can get back to their inbox. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Yeah, it's that paradox of choice, that illusion of choice problem is huge. And it's the primary issue with dating today is everyone thinks they have infinite choice, but they do not. But it's also a great tool. It's the number one way people are meeting. No, it's it's yes, yes, is online. It's a blessing if you just use it with a smart strategy. And, and you're yes, kind, I, I agree. You I know? agree. It is it's a tool like any other tool. I don't like that people are so over dependent on it. But I agreed with every single thing you said, except for one thing, which was to send a note to someone to say like, no, thank you. But you know, thank you. But I'm not interested. Well, we can agree to this disagree. Why do you disagree with I me? disagree with that because when I first did, when I first started doing online dating years ago, I did that because I was raised right. <laughs> and I was like, that's a polite thing to do. Yeah. Just acknowledge that somebody sent you an email. And I had so many men respond with such anger and such hostility and like, or just try to talk me out of it and say, well, why? And just, and I'm like, okay, now I, I don't want to get sucked into some back and forth with this man. I have no interest in meeting. So I had to stop doing it because I was like, this is not a good use of my time. Well, that's very interesting. I have to tell you that I work as a dating coach with a lot of women who are dating online. So I'm online with them every week and we're sending these messages. And I would say, I'm sorry you had that experience, but I would say, about 50% of the time we get a thank you note for the rejection and very, very rarely do we know. And if we do get something, you know, if someone responds and says why, I just say at that point you can delete the message because you've done your part. I don't know. I would encourage people to try it. If they have the response that you have, I would be surprised. Maybe, Maybe it's different now. I don't, I don't know. know. This was a long time ago. You know ago. why I think it might be different now? I think I had a client a couple of years ago who came into my office and told me he sent 40 emails on Match.com and didn't hear one mm-hmm. single response, which is why he came to mm-hmm. a matchmaker. And I'm very happy to say that he and his wife are expecting a baby yay. right now. But um, <laughs> yay. But, you know, I think it's gotten so bad now that especially, you know, men are the ones who oftentimes are expected to initiate. So they'll send out all these emails and literally it's like crickets. They hear nothing back. So now I think when they get it, the courtesy of a response, I feel that these men are very appreciative just that you responded and that you were straightforward and honest and kind, you know, so maybe, you know, the 
the lack of response has changed you know, the way someone would see that kind of an yeah. email. I don't well, know. I think also maybe now because most people are using apps and most people are having it's a mutual match situation. So it's a little bit different or I don't know. I think there's there's other factors. But I want to talk about yeah. matchmaking. And first of all, how did you decide to become a matchmaker? How did you get into matchmaking? Sure, let's do it. Let's go. I get asked that question so often. I'm going to give you the not too long version. So I was single after a divorce at 35. And I was trying to think about what kind of business I wanted to be in. And, you know, I was trying different things all the while dating. And um, while I was dating, I was considering hiring a matchmaker. One of my uh, relatives actually suggested, why don't you hire a matchmaker? So I started talking to and interviewing a bunch of people who'd used dating services and matchmakers. And sadly, at that time, which was about 12 years ago, no one that I spoke with had had a good experience at all. In fact, they had had horrible experiences where they really felt they were taken advantage of or not listened to. And so my brain, you know, I was like trying to find the right career for myself. I had spent many years raising kids and I had tried a few different businesses, none that I really wanted to stick with. And then I got this light bulb went off for me at this moment. And I realized, first of all, that I actually am good at dating. I'm experienced with dating and I love dating. The next piece was my best friend is engaged to someone I introduced her to. I'm a compulsive connector and I do this all the time. And pretty much everyone I know knows each other through me. So I just decided to research it. There was an article, I think it was in USA Today, that talked about matchmaking as a business. And I went, you know what, I'm doing it. And I made a website. It was on page one Google in a week. Wow. I used to be an SEO consultant. So like, I'm a big believer in that your path gets you to where you're headed. You know, a career in search engine optimization that I didn't end up going into helped me get this website on page one. And then all of a sudden, I had a client. And I matched her on the third try successfully. And I was like, wow, this is what I meant to do. And I just kept doing it and kept being successful. And you know why I love it? Because it's the mm-hmm. kind of job and the kind of career where my day is different every single day. And ultimately, I'm trying to make people happy and do good work in the world. I mean, there are families and babies that kids I at this know. point who exist because I introduced their parents. It's so, amazing. Yeah, I, I'm grateful every single day that I can make a living, pay my mortgage, make people happy and have fun. And it's not always perfect, but it's pretty much most of the time, it's pretty damn great. Yeah. Uh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. You were born to be a matchmaker. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're so nice. I uh, just love it. And I, I can't help myself. Like, I know. If I see two people who are meant to be together, I'm going to make it happen. I know. Sometimes you just know. Yeah. Sometimes you know. Sometimes you do know. And sometimes it's just an educated guess, you know, and you have to do that. Yeah. Too. Oh, it's I remember many years ago. I don't remember who it was, but I remember seeing a matchmaker on the Today Show. This was long before I ever had any inkling that I would ever go into the you know love industry um, and become a matchmaker one day myself. Something she said really struck me. I never forgot it. She said, if people looked out for their friends, I wouldn't have a job. And And I was like, oh, my God, that's so true, because so many people are so they don't want anything to do with their friends love lives. They're like, hands off, hands off. Don't want to get blamed. I don't know anybody like they want nothing to do with it. And I was always that person who would meddle in my friends love lives, um, too. You love them. You want you want to have so much. Why not? Like if you see somebody like I don't to me, it's mystifying that you wouldn't try to hook your friends up. But that's why we do what we do. (laughs) 
Although I do, I do have a couple of friends who are like, please do not try to match me. Oh. <laughs> they just don't feel comfortable with being matched. You know, oh, everybody's different. That's so interesting. But I hear what you're saying, right? Yeah. We just have to look out for the people we love and care about and do what we can to make them happy. Absolutely. Well, it's like now that I don't matchmake anymore and I haven't for years. And now that I only coach, I have friends who are like, don't try to coach me. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to. <laughs> just whenever you're ready. <laughs> whenever you're ready to really look at what's going on here. You know, there's something that you said on your, that you have on your website that I, I love and I think I want to like send this to so many people because I meet people and they find out that I'm a dating coach or love coach and they're like oh and they kind of a lot of people think that means I'm a matchmaker you know so they're like oh so you set people up and I'm like well that's a matchmaker and I used to do that but I'm actually you know I'm not a matchmaker anymore now I help people to be their own matchmaker and a lot of people are like well I want a matchmaker and you know there are so many people who you know they don't date at all or they can't get a date or they're just like they're stuck in such a bad dating pattern think that like matchmaking is gonna be the silver bullet to cure everything and well they think that we have this like special vault where we keep all the amazing people (laughs) (laughs) exactly that's what i used to say to clients when i was matchmaking i was like you know when you you're getting to know your clients and they're telling you all the things that they're looking for in a partner and you know i just say to people like okay like when's the last time you met someone like this when's the last time you dated someone like this and they're like oh i never have i'm like well where do you think i'm gonna find (laughs) this billionaire rocket scientist (laughs) olympic gold medalist who's like a great dancer who wants to marry you next week like I don't (laughs) I don't have a portal to that other universe I love what you said in your section about why hire a matchmaker on your website which of course I'll be linking to in the show notes (laughs) dcmatchmaking.com but you say number one reason to hire a matchmaker what you're doing just isn't working right and then you elaborate and this is this is I really love this sentence I think people need to hear this you have no problem finding dates on your own but you're just not meeting the right type of people yeah. Because I think there are a lot of people who have a lot of trouble finding dates on their own and maybe can't find dates on their own, but they think a matchmaker can like solve that for them. So Yeah, well, sometimes we've been looking inside this box for a long, long time and the people we've been meeting and dating haven't been the right people. So we need to look outside of the box and sometimes it's good to have a professional, someone who's experienced and not as emotional about your situation just to to see something you might not be able to see and say, you know what, you might consider looking at a person who's a little different because that might be, he or she might be a better fit for you. And um, there is an element of coaching in any in matchmaking. Any good matchmaker yes. is going to offer coaching. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, agreed. Well, that's why I, I realized that I was a much better coach and I enjoyed coaching a lot more. And I was like, coaching is the part of this that I like. And the only clients that I can match are the ones who are really open to being coached. So I'm just going to be a coach. Yeah. And you know what? I won't work with a matchmaking client who's not open to some coaching because we get feedback after the date. Yes, you know, if I hear something one time, someone has an opinion about my client, that's no big deal. But if I hear it from three people in a row, my client needs to know that they're being perceived in a certain way and that's keeping them from being successful. And it's my job to make sure that they have that information and that they make the best possible impression. Mm-hmm. And it's also my job to help them, you know, I have a couple of clients who didn't want to go on second dates and I pushed them to go on a second date and they ended up in relationships. So we can see blind spots yes. that are clients can't always see. So there is an element of coaching. And if, if someone's not open to coaching, they're not going to be a matchmaking client that I want to work with. Yeah, that wouldn't be wouldn't be a fun experience. Who do you work with? Who is your typical client or your ideal client? Men, women? <laughs> well, so I work with both men and women, but the majority of my matchmaking clients are men. 
And I'm, right now my clients are ages 26 to 70. And I'm happy to say that my 26-year-old is living with someone I introduced him to Yay. and my 70-year-old's in a relationship. Amazing. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm so happy. I like them so much. And then I'm also a, a dating coach for women. Yeah. I work with women and have a three-month program because I think that it's really important to be consistent and to stick with things for a while to change habits and behaviors and attitudes and yeah. and what we're doing. Absolutely. I, I would love for you to explain why you primarily work with male clients instead of women clients for matchmaking and that you coach women, mostly match men. Yeah. And I would love to answer that question because it's kind of interesting. I love working with female matchmaking clients. Don't get me wrong. But I think that women, as women, I think we're more likely if we're looking to solve a problem to go on the internet and look for a matchmaker and join a database. And I think sometimes guys, you know, they don't ask directions when they're driving. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So I think sometimes men are less likely to join a database. So for instance, I have a free database with of people that I can match my clients with. Pe these are people who've said they would love to meet my clients. And that database is 90% women because men are less likely to join yeah. a database. If I'm going to represent a ton of women matchmaking clients, I have to go out into the world and resource and find single men. So it just takes more time. And I have nothing against working hard. It's just that I, you know, I have a number of clients. And so I focus on mostly working with male clients, but I do work with women. Don't get yeah. me wrong. It's just that I don't mm -hmm. want to take on more clients than I can serve well. Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes going out and finding those men is difficult. And I'll also say, you know, a little bit of a frustration when working with women who are maybe 50 and over is that a lot of men their age want to date younger women. So yeah. It's annoying. It's very yeah, but annoying. so that, yeah, so that makes it tougher. Um, I think, you know, I'm happy to work with women as a matchmaker. Believe me, I love it. But I do think women who are over 55 and 60, I typically recommend that they consider dating online because I think that they'll have a much larger um, database of people to choose from than a matchmaker may have. But that's just my personal view. Maybe oh. some matchmakers won't appreciate me saying that, but I think that that's a demographic of women who are going to hire matchmakers and sometimes be disappointed yeah. because they won't be matched very often. Well, Michelle, I mean, as you know, there. I, I mean, I would say that the majority of matchmakers don't take on women clients for all of these reasons that you are mentioning. And I guess, so what is your, so when I'm going to play devil's advocate here, because I have an mm -hmm. answer to this question that I believe very strongly. But so what do you say to the 50 year old woman or the 60 year old woman who says, well, if I'm not a good candidate for matchmaking, because most men my age want to date younger women, then how is coaching going to help me? Oh, I, well, so if somebody, you know, if I'm really busy and have too many clients and I can't take on a female client as a matchmaking client because I don't have the time and resources to do a good job, mm -hmm. I will always offer coaching because I, and then someone will say exactly what you said. Well, why would coaching work? And I, what I would say is that you have tens of thousands of potential, I mean, potential mates out there. And so even if there are some men who are ageist and want to date much younger, the guys who are excited about you will show up because you're going to have great photos, you're going to have the right profile, and it's going to be, you know, we're going to brand you online in a way where you shine, right? So don't you worry about not having enough potential dates or anything, because when you're using like a match.com or the apps like Bumble or Hinge, I mean, the Coffee Meets Bagel, you can go on forever. There's so many tens of thousands of potential matches, whereas a matchmaker might have a database, you know, of 10,000 or 5,000 or 500, who knows? Yeah. You know, I just think that 
for women over a certain age who may not be well served by a matchmaker, internet dating is a fantastic tool. It just has to be used well with a smart strategy. Yeah. Is that what you usually tell people? Yes, a version of that. And basically that it's, it is much easier to be your own matchmaker and to whether using online, using offline, connecting with more people, expanding your social circle, being very intentional about how you date, being um, very intentional about really trying to connect with people like we were talking about, like finding that gooey center, you know, like you want people not to discriminate against you because you might be, you know, 50 and a lot of 50 year old men want to date 35 year olds. But then how are you doing the same thing, you know, with with the men who are showing up in your life who want to date you? So it's just there's so much. Um, (laughs) I could talk about that all day. Well, Uh, yeah, well, one of the reasons why well, listen, sometimes coaching is more effective, because you're covering every aspect of dating. You're talking about everything, the A to the Z, like you're talking about mindset, you're talking about, you know, preferences versus needs, and you're talking about boundaries, and you're talking about how men think and how to date and what's a smart strategy and how to spot red flags and when to go and when to stay. And it's just like someone might come to me and say, you know, I lost my husband. I'm 60. I've never, I haven't dated since in my 20s. I don't know what to do. I need a matchmaker. And I would say to that person, no, you don't. You need a dating coach. You don't know anything about dating. Yeah. You're so inexperienced and you need guidance and you need someone to help you through all the different stages of dating. So there are times when I feel like, you know, some people really, really would benefit from coaching as opposed to matchmaking. And I think a good matchmaker can offer both or can refer to someone who will take better care of um, that client. Mm -hmm. I completely agree with that. And honestly, I think, you know, no matter how old you are, mindset is the number one most important thing when you are looking for love. And so it's the foundation of everything. It's the foundation of everything. And it's very hard for some people to grasp that. But obviously, people who are open to coaching, they they get that, which is why I love what I do, because then we can make the changes. Um, And you do it so well. Thank you. (laughs) You are awesome. Thank you. And also, I am always trying to really, so many people want to just shortcut the dating process and just get right to the relationship. And I'm like, dating is important. All the skills that you develop within yourself in the process of dating are all valuable skills that are going to serve you for your whole life and for the life of your relationship. So don't try to skip over it so quickly. Just do it with a lot of intention, you know, a smart strategy so you can get the most out of it. Right. But then, you know, every once in a while, you might have a coaching client who just isn't going to do the work and just is either too busy or doesn't want to. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes a, a coach will refer someone to me as a matchmaking client because they have the client that just won't do the work and they want someone else to do the work for them and vet matches for them and they just want to go on dates. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know. Sometimes the matchmaker is the right fit. Sometimes the dating coach is the right fit and sometimes a combination of the two. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, Michelle, what if I had, I have one last question for you. And it is if you had a megaphone that was loud enough to send a message out for the whole world to hear <laughs> about love, what would that message be? What a beautiful question. Oh my gosh. I love that question. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. I think the megaphone, I would shout as loud as I could that we're all connected, that we are all one, and that there is no other. And that a stranger is just a friend you haven't met yet. And just to, you know, walk through life with your heart and your mind open and be kind to each other. We're all in this together. And uh, to practice being kind and loving each other as opposed to perhaps the way we're approaching things. I just think, uh, you know, walk with love always. Beautiful. I love that. That is really beautiful. Hey, I have a question for you. Yeah. 
What would you shout on your megaphone? (laughs) I think that I've answered this question before, and it's probably a little bit different every time. But I think in terms of what is coming to me right now and what's really on my mind right now a lot is that really understanding that love is so fundamental to who all of us are as humans. Like the love that you're seeking really is inside of yourself. And the more that you can go deeper into that love and tap into that love and not judge it and not feel ashamed and not feel separate from other people like you, I believe we're all connected, but really starting with feeling that within yourself and then radiating that outwards, that is what's going to change the world. I agree with you. That's beautiful. I, I have a suggestion actually for your listeners. I don't know if you've ever heard of a meta meditation is. What's, what is it? In the Buddhist practice, it's a love meditation. Oh. Metta. It's either M-E-T-A or M-E-T-T-A. I'm not sure, but it's a practice. Oh, it's wonderful. You can sit and you can do a meditation and that could be self-love, like, you know, just really sending yourself love and sitting quietly and just kind of smiling into sending yourself love. But there's also a meditation that you can do for the people in your life. You can do it for acquaintances. You can actually do it towards strangers. And when you sit intentionally you know, feeling love towards yourself and towards others and actually make space for that. When you get up from sitting, you're transformed a little bit. And if it gets to be something that's a regular practice, it's very, very beautiful. And it's something that um, I really think everyone listening should try. You can Google it. You can look on YouTube. There's so many examples of beautiful metta meditations, but it sort of sets your um, intention for the day to really look at things differently and experience things differently. And it's very powerful. I'm really excited that you're telling me this right now, um, because I actually, you know, I don't know if you know that I started doing sound healings and facilitating sound baths. I started doing that last year. And that sounds super interesting. It's so interesting and powerful and awesome. But and I've, I've created this event that I'm calling Love Notes, which is a it's an active sound healing love meditation so it's like it has like a traditional sound bath that's at its core but it it starts with this intention setting meditation and it's all about like choose your own adventure like is it self-love is it love for a partner is it a a love that you want to call in a relationship you want to heal like all of that intention setting happens at the beginning and then the sound bath part it's like an active meditation and then at the end everybody writes love notes to, to themselves to take with them so it's interesting that sounds wonderful it's pretty cool i must say (laughs) i'm gonna give one more idea to people because that's very dating related and that's you know if you're about to go on a date you could sit and do a meta meditation beforehand and wish love to the person that you're going to meet and send them love beforehand, knowing with empathy that they could be nervous, they could be excited, they could be not a skillful dater, but a really good person. And so if you sit beforehand and you just send them love, then when you actually do meet them, you feel differently about them and you approach things differently. It's pretty amazing. That is so beautiful. Oh, wow. Give it a try, people. It's a new way to approach it. Everybody yeah, do dating, that. dating can be hard. It's a lot of pressure. First dates can be awkward or stressful. And, and like if you just walk into a situation having already sat with the idea of sending love to that person and you're, you know, you're like in your little happy love bubble. Yes. <laughs> it's contagious. It's infectious. It's all good energy that is going to be shared on the date. And, you know, having the empathy to know that the other person um, may feel a certain way, you can really give them everything you have to give on the date and have a different outcome than you might have had otherwise. Oh my gosh. I love that. 
I love that. That's beautiful. Everyone do that. <laughs> Everybody out there who's dating, do that. Even if you're not dating, you can still do that. You can still do that when you're going into, I don't know. Do it with your coworkers. You can do it at the grocery store. Do it with your store. coworkers, with your family, with your boyfriend, <laughs> with your girlfriend. You can do it all the time. Yeah. yeah, it's really beautiful. Love is why we're here. I mean, on this earth, that is why we're here. I agree. And that's why I'm so happy to be in a business that's all about love. We're very lucky. We're so, so lucky. Grateful. I do pinch myself sometimes. That is the truth. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, I said uh, that was my last question, but one one really final question, which is how is there anything that you want to tell my listeners about something that you're working on? Or I'm going to link to your website and your um, your social media and the show notes. But if there if there's anything else that you want to kind of draw attention to? Oh, that's nice of you. Um, I'm trying to think about what would be helpful to people. You know, I do have a free little ebook that might be um, really, really helpful in terms of shifting mindset and also strategy when people are dating, especially online. If you go to 12, the number 12 datingmistakes.com and download that, it's the mistakes that I see the most people commonly making. And I think it's if you become aware of them and, and do things a little differently, you could see a major shift in the kind of success you're having. And um, yeah, that's something that I think your listeners would benefit from. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well, thank you, Michelle. Thanks, everybody. It's... I just love the fact that everybody, you know, everybody's here listening and we get to share this. I just think you're amazing. Oh. I, just, I love talking with you. I love the chance that we had when you came to D.C. and we spent time together. That was that was so fun. That really was so fun. You know, when you're sitting with someone and you just feel a connection and, you know, you just know that that's your kind of person. That's how I felt about being with you. Oh, my goodness. Well, the feeling is mutual. So I can't wait to see you again and to spend some more time. And I thank you so much. Me too. And thank you for the beautiful work that you're doing and the world and all the love that you're putting out into the world because it's really important. And I thank you. I As just a fellow citizen, I thank you. <laughs> And I thank you right back. (laughs) Okay, honey. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, sweetie. And there you have it. My interview with Michelle Jacoby. Please be sure to check the show notes for links to Michelle's social media, as well as to her DC matchmaking website. She is amazing, isn't she? I love her. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you to all of you who are listening. You, dear listener, wherever you are in the world, I so appreciate you. Dear Franny has been on the charts in just all over the world, in Australia and New Zealand and the UK and Kenya. And I mean, I think the Philippines I saw, like Canada, just, it's just amazing to me. It makes me so happy that people are around the world are discovering this podcast and I hope that you're loving it I hope that you're getting good value from it and it's bringing some joy to your life because that is my goal so I thank you I don't take it for granted that you're spending some of your precious time with me today you can stay in touch with me on all social media at Dear Franny you can also stay in touch with the podcast at Dear Franny Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. And feel free to slide into my DMs and tell me what you think of the show and tell me what kind of episodes you'd like to see in the future. I'd love to hear from you. Okay. Thank you so much. Have a beautiful day wherever you are in the world. Till next time. <laughs>